Vishing, smishing, and quishing. Oh my. ConnectWise is updating to something awesome. And Google is pushing Aquarius and Virgo aside and launches Gemini Ultra. These stories and much more on today's episode of MSP Dispatch. This episode is presented by OIT VoIP. Enhance your clients' communication abilities with our VoIP solution, featuring integrated billing, on-demand training, and live U.S. support. Collaborate seamlessly with Microsoft Teams integration and put your entire phone system in your pocket with MobileX. Improve your offerings and increase profitability with reliable service for one-tenth of the average MSP acquisition cost. To learn more, visit OIT.co or dial 844-CALL-OIT. Good morning and welcome to the February 13th episode of MSP Dispatch, your source for news, community events, and commentary in the MSP channel. I'm Tony Francisco and joined by my amazing host, but I'm the co-host, but I'm today he's the co-host. Anyway, Ray Orsini, how the heck are you doing, brother? Tell me what's going on. I'm tired. We are both tired. <laughs> We're we so tired. On what should be a federal holiday the day after Super Bowl. I know you just got back from Mardi Gras. Like... I'm just saying, if we want to, like, next national holiday, we've covered all the important ones. Let's just add in a post-Super Bowl. I'll give up one of the other ones. I don't want to name one because I'm going to get it canceled by somebody. But I don't care. <laughs> give up my birthday. You know what I mean? Um, oh, man. We were recording this the day before. You you got no sleep. You've been up all day. And then you I, got I, no was just in, been yeah, I was just literally in a float in Mardi Gras just a few hours ago. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. And do you know you. what, okay. So we're recording this the day before, and it's going to air the day before, uh, Valentine's day. Um, but you know what the day of the airing of this is? <laughs> it's adulterous lovers day. So <laughs> apparently, yes. Uh, apparently this is a thing where married persons or persons in a relationship will take their non spouse or non significant other out to dinner the day before Valentine's because obviously they have plans on Valentine's day to do whatever at home or go out. Um, some of the reports, some of the tweets from uh, these restaurants are hilarious because they'll talk about the same person. Like, you know, let's use man, for example, we'll Coming take the in twice. on one night <laughs> and then go the next day with the wife. And then go the next day. <laughs> I mean, yes. Um, so, but you know, so to bring this back full circle, uh, you and I have had a bromance for years now, and I'm very happy to spend Adulterous Lovers Day <laughs> with you. That is awesome. And it's the best part. It's the day before my birthday, so I don't even know how to. That's right, I, because oh Tony Francisco is born on Valentine's Day, because uh, why wouldn't Tony Francisco be born on Valentine's Day? I mean, not? that makes let's, absolute sense. So happy pre-birthday to you, my friend. Thank you. And, let's get yeah. into some like squishy, cushy, cushy stuff. We also call it, um, what's that called? the news. Yeah, we got some quishing uh, for Valentine's Day. And my first story, QR code quishing attacks on exec surge evading email security. Written by Robert Lemus for Dark Reading. QR code phishing attacks, also known as quishing, are surging according to a report by Abnormal Security, a cloud email security provider. These attacks bypass traditional email security by hiding malicious links within QR codes. Executives are specifically targeted due to their privileged access and potential for credential theft. 
These stolen credentials can be used for further attacks like email forwarding and impersonation. And while email filters are improving at catching QR phishing, user training remains crucial. Data indicates that a well-trained workforce can greatly decrease the success rate of these attacks. For example, only 5% of users respond to phishing attempts within the first few minutes. Abnormal security CISO, Mike Britton, cautions that some phishing attacks are so convincing that even experts like him seek second opinions. Tony, we've talked about smishing, now we got quishing, we know phishing. Um, what are you thinking? I, that's the best I got. <laughs> <laughs> I I I got to be honest with you. I I get I I'm starting to get angry because you and I are telling everyone to do one thing best practices while at the same time you and I are well what's the menu yeah I'll scan that QR code to pull up the menu on the table <laughs> and you know you do it everyone Absolutely. does it and as I'm doing it I'm like don't do it don't but this is so easy and 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 at the same time we're thinking you know what I could scan this and then go print my own and then stick it over that so it looks and feels and then, yeah. So um, if you want to talk about, uh, and, and I don't mean to spook anyone on the call and involve you. By the way, I have my own, um, I, there's a Groupon for my therapist to help me with the uh, neurotic. I thought uh, we were just doing a GoFundMe at this point. That, you know, no, we're way past yeah. that. They've, they've, they've said, listen, you've. Clear, there's something wrong with how much revenue you're driving through this. There's no way you're consuming yeah. it. All oh, you are, it's on therapy because you're in a security podcast. I understand. So, but this is the man in the middle, though. Think about the man in the middle concept where conceptually, you and I go take a picture, we scan it, we replace the QR code for our own, which not only does a slipstream uh, data grab, uh, pixel insert, and then redirects you back to the menu that you were looking for, but it does it over and over and over and over. It is a man-in-the-middle attack, and it is completely voluntary. But, okay, before we go with the world is on fire and run around. Don't, like, don't mess up my, no, no, no. My therapist, tell me. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give a little love. I'm going to give a little love because your birthday and, and Valentine's are coming up. So I've never had a phone that if I scanned a QR code, it didn't give me the URL first. I've never had one that just went straight to whatever URL they were talking about or straight to whatever application. It's URL shortening. Me the URL. What about URL um, shortening? Yeah, you have URL shortening. Absolutely true. Um, and this is where a couple best practices just kind of save your bacon or get you close enough to stay, to saving your bacon, right? Um, so on the viewer side, look at the QR code. If it's a bit.ly or if it's a short link, which it may very well be, I don't like shorteners. I truly, now we use shorteners. I don't like shortener. Now, now to be fair, <laughs> the shorteners we use are branded. So you know where it's coming from. No different than using Entra, Azure, whatever you're doing. You want to brand the login screen. So when you're doing OAuth, you know the login screen is your organization, not somebody else's. Um, on the vendor side, I would like to invite all the vendors. Put the URL on the QR code sticker. There's no reason you can't. Your QR codes are ridiculously resilient. You can screw up like 75% of the QR code and it still works. That's why they're so effective. They're better than barcodes. So there's, that's why you can see images sometimes or you'll see like backgrounds or text on it. Put the, put the URL. And just like that, QR codes can hold a lot of text. So there's really no reason to use shortened URLs on a QR code. 
the user's not reading it. They're not typing it. Just put the whole URL. Um, and in cases where you can't do that because you're at Chili's and you really, really, really want that margarita, um, use somebody else's phone. No. <laughs> 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 I, I, Tony, bring this home for me, man, because I, I, I'm trying to be positive here, but yeah, I think we're both going to therapy. I think we got the whole in, the whole community is laughing right now, but I think we can wrap it up with list the URL on there. Be aware that there are some mechanisms that could bypass the uh, the optics of something that is so simple and easy to use, uh, and and educate your users. That's all of them, yourself included. I think that's the I think that's a wrap up. Tony, uh, so while we're mulling that and while I'm booking my next therapy appointment, um, we haven't talked about AI in at least 30 seconds. You have any stories about AI to, to get us back on track? <laughs> I think I think I do. Let's do it. Let's do it. And updating everyone with my first story from channel E2E.com, ConnectWise is updating automation. AI capabilities are coming to MSPs. ConnectWise has announced updates to ConnectWise RPA and ConnectWise Sidekick in its ASIO platform, presented at Automation Nation 2024. These enhancements in ASIO automate routine tasks, empowering MSPs for growth by integrating RPA and AI to enhance efficiency and explore new revenue streams beyond manual labor. Key RPA upgrades include streamlined search, enhanced onboarding, improved data mapping, and simplified device management. ConnectWise Sidekick for PSA, powered by AI, streamlines MSP tasks by prioritizing critical activities. According to Jeff Bishop, EVP of Unified Monitoring and Management at ConnectWise, the company is committed to advancing RPA and AI to empower partners, enabling them to automate tasks, boost efficiency, and deliver innovative services for client growth. Ray, let's unpack this just a little bit. Could AI... I need you to be very, very honest. Just keep me honest. I need you to be honest with the whole community. Could AI in this particular use be done the right way? Could it be used the right way for the betterment of our industry? Talk to me. Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to say yes. AI could definitely be used for good. Um, News stories can be used for good too. We don't do it apparently, but news stories can be used for good. <laughs> no. I, <laughs> so, look, yay. I, I was really happy last year when Jason McGee, CEO of ConnectWise, announced Automation Nation. He did it kind of off the, off the cuff where I had to go back and ask him again. Um, and so we just had Automation Nation last week. Um, we did not attend. It was a much smaller event uh, than has traditionally been. Um, it's very cool. Um, I like AI. I didn't really hear anything we didn't already hear it ConnectWise at IT Nation Connect, right? The the Sidekick stuff, the RPA stuff, they already announced that at IT Nation Connect. Um, so I think this is just a re... I think they needed to release something during Automation Nation, honestly, um, because this isn't really much different. Uh, not that I'm seeing. Am I missing the? Am I missing the mark here? Because you were at IT Nation with me. 
Well, that's the question is, what are they actually using it for? Because you and I have seen repeatedly, and we joke about it, oh no, what do we do to that? Let's slap AI, AI, AI on it. We're not, we don't really know what it does, but it's got something in there, and we're going to call it AI. And in this particular case, they specifically state the automation of tasks to replace manual labor. So the question is, what are they replacing? What are they enhancing? What are they, how are they streamlining, streamlining the MSP process with AI? That's the part that I'd really like to know. I'd love to see examples of that. You know what I'd love most? I'd love to hear from the MSP community because there are some out there that listen to this podcast that are part of that beta or even alpha program. Say, hey, here's some things I've heard, <laughs> maybe some things I've seen that's what we're excited about. Uh, because at the end of the day, everybody in the beginning was, everyone knew what AWS was, and Azure is technically just like a VPS, but in the cloud. But then as you explored more into Azure, you start to realize and recognize that it's all tied together in the Office 365 umbrella, and you can do everything from OAuth to streamlining the data uh, mapping on the backend database side of things, uh, as opposed to using everything in disparate locations. I think, ASIO is kind of going in that same direction. If they're implementing AI as kind of an overarching um, uh, component to help the automation and the connective tissue along the way of all of everything that ConnectWise has, that's a huge win and I'd love to hear about it. You know, I, I agree with you. I just hate, um, I just hate that a lot of the automation that's needed in our space I feel could easily be done even without AI. It's a bunch of logic statements. It's a bunch of if else. And let's be honest, a lot of AI is really just if else. And what kills me is a lot of the things that we're proposing for AI to do, I would argue we could have done years ago. We had the ticket data years ago. When this happened, what did we do? If it's this operating system, what do we do? Now that requires a lot of data gathering. That requires a level of insight to be able to break it down into manageable chunks. Absolutely, yes, repeatable, scalable, but what's that industry that is actually really good at that? Oh, MSP. MSP should be doing that, right? And <laughs> oh, so, absolutely. I mean, but that's the thing that kills me. It's when a when unknown actions occur on your network and you're seeing data go to a place you've never seen before, the actions you take to go see if that IP address has any other um, reputation or the FD, uh, the domain name or whatever traffic is going through, what was the last time it stepped through, all of those things can be automated. I think what we might be using is AI as a crutch to say, automate this stuff for me. Um, or what should I automate? And I think that is going to leave the MSP falling short of their version of service. Right? I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with you on this. Absolutely. I mean, it's essentially, let's just be blunt, it's expediting and, and finer granularizing uh, the Zapier model. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, you know what? Okay, you're going to get me angry now. Uh, let's talk about stuff like, uh, first off, we know um, this is the next day after everyone's watching this. It's my birthday. I'm an Aquarius. What's your sign? I'm an Amex. <laughs> No, I know we were into the Gemini story, but that's what I thought. <laughs> Let's talk about Gemini and how how Google hates Aquariuses and yes. Yeah. Go.
Yeah, we're getting all down with the uh, with the signs with Google launching its Gemini Ultra, not basic, not plus, not pro Gemini Ultra, the most powerful LLM yet in a story written by Frederick Lardenois for TechCrunch. Google has launched Gemini Ultra, its most powerful large language model yet, replacing the Bard name as part of the Gemini family. This advanced model was integrated into Google Workspace apps with a new Gemini app available for Android and iOS. Users can also replace Google Assistant on Android devices with Gemini. Access to Gemini Ultra will cost $20 through Google One tier, which includes two terabytes of storage and access to Gemini in the Google Workspace apps. Gemini Ultra 1.0, the flagship model, excels in various tasks and supports multi-model conversations, including image discussion. Priced at $20 per month, it is accessible through the Gemini Advanced plan, along with other Google One Premium benefits. Further, existing Google One subscribers can enjoy a free two-month trial of the AI Premium plan. So, are you giving up uh, ChatGPT Premium for Bard? I'm sorry, Gemini Ultra. Um, does it work better when the mountains turn blue? I, I, what? How does this work? What? Are you getting excited about this? Okay, so uh, raise your hand if you're an OpenAI Pro member. I mean, I, I pay. You pay. <laughs> I don't. Don't keep your hand down. Uh, I, and and there are benefits. Um, I'll be the first to say that I do not truly, you know, flex everything I can with the power that's available. Um, but I play around. I play around just enough to understand what the kind of the capabilities are for my particular use case. But I'm also in, un, under the impression that there's going to be an evolutionary process that's about to accelerate. And I, I want to get to know what I'm doing gradually to kind of see where we're going to be versus where we are right now. And if, and let's just be blunt about this, Google is copying the $20 per month model the question is, what are the additional, the peripheral add-ons to the Google, um, uh, the palette of services, because that is substantial as opposed to an individual OpenAI uh, ChatGPT component. They created a marketplace. The question is, is that marketplace and plugin center more robust and useful to me versus Google? And I'm really interested, because it's $20, it's $20. It's apples and apples. But is it? And that's I think that's the question that has to be answered right now. Um, are they completely different or is this just another, you know, Disney versus Hulu versus uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, my initial response is you, Jeff Bezos. Now, um, so here's my thing, right? So you have Microsoft Copilot, right? Not Copilot for GitHub, Microsoft Copilot for 365. Um, you have Copilot for Teams, Teams Premium. Don't get me started. And we discussed on a previous episode where they're charging for these things separately. Eventually, they'll incorporate them. They're likely to incorporate them into the suite offerings, right? Business premium, business standard, you know, the E3-5s, uh, and then raise those prices commensurately. Um, Amazon does this, right? How many of us signed up for Amazon Prime at $69 or $79 a year just for the free two-day shipping? And now it's like $199 a year. Um, but I get really crappy shit. Wait, hold on. Is it really? Is it really? It's something ridiculous. Let me see. Don't um, why you're gonna make me mad now. And this is exactly what we talk about about how things slip in so gradual. You have this ambient component, um, and not to completely while, while you're looking that up. Uh, I just learned that 
uh, people on OnlyFans create an OnlyFans account because they know that they can charge four to five dollars per month and then they just stop publishing because people forget that they have the subscription and they're pulling in between twenty and a hundred thousand dollars per month per month i'm like that's it i'm going only fans that's what you need to see an old it guy like blah 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 and yeah, we just need one video i mean <laughs> just apparently you just need one video now so i'm looking it up amazon prime yeah. is 14.99 a month uh which comes to what's that 15 times 10 180 a year or 139 a year if you pay it up front I thought it was 50 bucks it was 50 bucks and so this with google seems to be the same thing the reason that bothers me is because tell me you combined Netflix and Amazon Prime and that was worth it? Cool. My Amex gives me Walmart Plus, which gives me Peacock. Cool. I'm down for that. Google, I have we have Google Fi, so I have a Google One subscription, which gives me a ridiculous amount of storage and all this other stuff. So if they want to include it in there, cool. If they're going to raise the price for something I didn't ask for and something I'm going to claw.ai and get better results from, no, thank you. Um, and that's where my real concern is because these are, we let's be honest, we're absolutely in the fuck around and find out phase of AI, right? And so they're throwing it at everything to see what happens. That's why we have so many stories on AI. It's not because, well, we are in love with AI, let's be honest, but because it's they're literally putting it in everything. We covered AI in Notepad, for God's sakes. So putting this stuff into these platforms before it's actually ready, but they're okay to charge for it because they got to pay for R&D. I take Coral with that. I absolutely take, don't tell me Amazon Music is worth paying an extra 20 bucks a year for on Amazon Prime. You, you know what I'm saying? Now, YouTube Red, I've been paying that since it first launched it. Um, I don't know. MSPs, tell me what you think. I'm going to go wax poetic for another 25 minutes if you let me. Um, I'd rather hear from you. And actually, Tony, I'd rather hear your notables. You got something for me? I do. Let's jump into them. In my first notable mention from thehackernews.com, CISA, an open SSF release framework for package repository security. The U.S. Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, that's CISA, and OpenSSF have jointly released the principles for package repository security framework. It establishes four security maturity levels for package repositories, authentication, authorization, capabilities, and command line interface, that's CLI, tooling. Authors Jack Cable and Zach Steinler stress that all ecosystems should aim for at least level one security. The initiative enables repositories to evaluate their security status and implement improvements over time to address evolving security threats effectively. In my next notable mention from ArsTechnica.com, Apple has revamped its suite of Windows apps, including Apple Music, Apple TV, and devices, replacing much of the functionality of iTunes for Windows. The iCloud for Windows app also received a major update with a redesigned interface. These apps are available in the Microsoft Store and compatible with Windows 10 and 11. While iTunes is required for managing podcasts and audiobooks, the new apps offers features like music and video streaming, device backup, and system restores. And although more seamless on Mac OS, using Apple services on Windows has improved, possibly reflecting Apple's focus on its growing services division. In my first notable mention, new Fortinet RCE flaw in SSL VPN likely exploited in attacks, written by Lawrence Abrams for Bleeping Computer. 
A critical remote code execution flaw, or RCE flaw, tracked as CVE 20242-21762, has been discovered in Fortinet OS SSL VPN by Fortinet. Fortinet is tracking this under FGIR 24015. With a severity rating of 9.6, the vulnerability allows unauthenticated attackers to gain RCE through crafted requests. Fortinet recommends upgrading to the latest version to patch the bug, but if unable to apply patches, mitigations include disabling SSL VPN. Details about how this flaw was discovered and exploited are not disclosed. There have been no reported instances of active exploitation. In my second notable mention, Notion acquires privacy-focused productivity platform Skiff, written by Ivan Meta for TechCrunch. Notion expands its privacy-focused offerings with the acquisition of Skiff, a platform offering end-to-end -end encrypted file storage, docs, calendar events, and email. Founded in 2020 by Andrew Millich and Jason Ginsberg, Skiff raised $14.2 million from investors like Sequoia Capital and Alphabet chairman John Hennessy. While initially a secure alternative to Google Docs, Skiff also developed calendar and email solutions. Moreover, Skiff has officially announced its merger with Notion, detailing a six-month shutdown plan. They clarified that user accounts won't be converted to Notion accounts, but offered an easy data migration option. Finding new revenue opportunities via automation and process. Join us for our upcoming webinar Monday, March 4th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where industry experts from Zen Contract, Imibot, and Security Studio will share actionable insights on unlocking new revenue streams via automation and process optimization. Moderated by Ray Orsini, the discussion will cover topics such as leveraging automation tools, enhancing security measures, updating client contracts, and identifying fresh revenue opportunities. Register now using the link in the show notes to secure your spot and gain valuable strategies for maximizing efficiency and profitability. There are plenty of amazing upcoming events taking place across the community, so let's see what's happening this week. Running Monday through Friday of this week, an in-person event, NerdyOcon 2024 in Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. And another in-person event this week, running the 13th through the 15th, MSP Expo East in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And also running the 13th through the 15th, another in-person event, Seven Figure MSP Live in Chandler, Arizona. And coming from the MSP Media Network this week, we have tomorrow at 10 a.m., AI Roundup is back for episode 60 with new AI legal developments. And then a special standalone episode of MSP Dispatch for you on Thursday the 15th at 10 a.m. Eastern. And as always on Fridays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, MSP Community Live will be back for another episode about your favorite threads in the MSP community. March 4th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, a special channel program webinar all about finding new revenue opportunities via automation and process. Featuring Greg Sharp, CEO and founder of Zen Contract, Frank Gurney, channel director of Security Studio, and Tara Rummer, director of community and events at Emmybot, with special guest moderator Ray Orsini, CEO of OIT VoIP and founder of the MSP Media Network. Follow the link in the show notes to save your seat and learn proven strategies to increase your monthly recurring revenue. So how'd you like today's show? If you like it, please hit that thumbs up button. If you didn't, go ahead and hit it twice. 
If you want to hear more, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on your YouTube or favorite podcatcher. Did you know that we have a Discord where we post our stories all week long? You can even propose your own stories and even vote on which ones we're going to cover. As our friend Rich Banky says, make sure you tell a friend. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at MSP Media TV. If you have any questions, you can email us, news at mspmedia.tv for answers on the next episode, or even just call us. Leave us a voicemail at 833-MSP-NETWORK. Ray Orsini, you and I literally are the focus point for just being tired. Uh, I I think after the show, we're going to sleep until our... Friday show, Thursday show, Thursday show, yeah. uh, Friday show, and, 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 um, but it was great, great, great show. Why don't you uh, land this plane for everyone? I appreciate you. I appreciate all the effort you put in. I know exactly how tired you are, and uh, thanks so much. Uh, I don't know how we got through this. I just, I apologize to Danny and Phil, who have to put up with this nonsense and make it somewhat cohesive. Uh, and with that, Tony and I are going to go for some well-deserved naps. Uh, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, take care of yourselves and each other. And happy birthday, Tony. <laughs> happy Valentine's Day and Mistress Day to everyone when they're watching. Oh, my gosh. Everyone be safe. Hi, Tony Francisco from the MSB Media Network. I'm actually one of the co-hosts of the MSB Dispatch here with Ben Marcel, Lozito, CEO of Tour Path in Baton Rouge, on to doing amazing things. We, right now, are on a float and Mardi Gras about this, about this, about this, about this, about to take off and uh, from Mardi Gras. Now, let's go. MSP Dispatch, MSP Media Network, rock on. I'm Mardi Gras. Happy Mardi Gras, everyone. This has been a broadcast of the MSP Media Network.